Greetings, this is The Pub, Straylight Magazine's podcast about all things books and publishing. I'm Dean Karpowitz. I'm Kai Richmond. Today on the show, our Halloween picks. And then there were two. <laughs> we were going to have a show with three people today, and now there are two. Um... So we're going to talk about a couple of picks that we have um, come up with for uh, this year that we're sort of looking at uh, as we approach the Halloween season. Next week, we'll be talking about some graphic novels, uh, three in particular, with Daniel Moorbach once again. Uh, but let's start by, I found a uh, an NPR uh, list of a, the top 100 favorite horror stories. These are both uh, short stories and novels. I guess there was a poll taken over the summer of 2018, and we're going to use this as kind of a springboard. Talk a little bit about what we've read here uh, and what we liked. You know, so the first, of course, the first couple are Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and uh, Dracula, which I read, but I haven't read for many years. I think I think I read uh, Frankenstein five or six years ago, again, to do like a little Halloween-ish uh, novella discussion with some of the students on campus. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. It's a good one. Like, my thing is like, these are such classics. Like, you, you see Dracula, even even like, not even in the original take. Like, we'll have like, for instance, this movie, Um, it was released, I think, four years ago, which was like Dracula Untold, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was like the untold story of Dracula. Like, it's... it's classic and it's same thing with frankenstein with like i frankenstein yeah it's it's really cool like they're very very much like i I would say like pillars when it comes to horror yeah 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 i can remember teaching a course in postmodernism where we did an x-files episode awesome called (laughs) the post like the subtitle of frankenstein is the uh uh, the modern prometheus and so this was called the postmodern prometheus and it was a black and white noir throwback kind of retelling yeah and uh yeah just a really fun kind of episode uh with a nod with several nods right to uh to frankenstein um and yeah you're right we get film after film retelling Mm -hmm. after retelling um of those two uh and then young goodman brown (laughs) is on here which i've read the hawthorne and the stephen king uh, re- retelling of it for a creative writing class. I didn't even know Stephen King had done redone the short story. Apparently, he loves it. His version is really not that good. Okay. <laughs> um, Hawthorne's is pretty good. Um, and then Poe, uh, Telltale Classic. Heart, yeah, which I've read. And you know, anything Poe around this time of year is, you know, I, p- I feel pretty essential when it when it comes to Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, he was. Um, I, ca- I can't remember the exact, there was a very specific name for uh, this period of writing when it was like everything just got real dismal. Yeah. Really dismal. Um, and I think that he was kind of the for- you know, the, the forefront runner yeah. of this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and even till today, people are still quoting him, people are still writing about him. Yeah. Um, well, there's a kind of a direct connection between Poe and Stephen King. Yeah. For sure. And then the turn of the screw. Uh, by Henry James, which is a ghost story told by a governess to her kids who are kind of sitting around listening listening to it. Uh, and I can remember 
I, t- I took a, a literary, like there's like the pillar stone, the cornerstone literary analysis uh, course in my undergraduate uh, degree. Uh, we read only The Turn of the Screw. And um, God, I, I just, it, I did not like that course. No. <laughs> I was in it with a friend and the, the guy started out the semester and he'd like, uh, he'd put on the board like a circle and then kind of circled out from the circle, so it was like a spiral, mm-hmm. and then just uh, kept pointing to that and, and repeating more dramatically the turn of the screw. You know, you're like, the turn of the screw. And the whole class is sitting there going, so what? Like, Can we leave now? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And then he was like, this is kind of like an onion, you know? His, his picture on the wall, the layers of the short story, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But it's a really, I mean, Henry James is great, and uh, he's uh, amazing at the novella. It's a really good story, but for me, I've, it's like drinking too much Jack Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then uh, anytime you get a really bad hangover, and then you never want to drink yeah. Jack Daniels again. Yeah. So maybe maybe I drink too much Jack Daniels too or something. It's, it's, it's good whiskey. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash Jack yeah, Daniels. I'm yeah. not that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and then I've also read the Yellow Wallpaper, um, which is a sort of uh, short story involving yellow uh, yellow wallpaper and insanity. Oh, fun! <laughs> Woman goes insane by the end. Yeah. I like a lot of these um, these these horror you know both novels and short stories that really dive into the psyche of the person. Um, in the the protagonist spot, mm-hmm. um, when it comes down to like, it can be interpreted in so many ways. Like, are they seeing these things or are they not? Are they imagining these things or is it mm-hmm. reality? Mm-hmm. And it really paints a vivid like picture of like, wow, we can be very easily manipulated into yeah. thinking something yeah. that isn't true. Yeah. Um. So I think that's really interesting. I like that certain authors can use that tool, um, so effectively to you know write a story that lasts for years yeah right interview with a vampire with the vampire now you know talking about dracula here's one of the sort of here's one of the spawn right yeah of that bram stoker um and so i've read just the first of these the interview with the vampire Mm -hmm. um not read like the vampire lestat and all the other ones that came after or any of the ghost ones that Anne rice did it's a pretty good book Mm -hmm. um uh the movie, also yeah, good, right? No, that that one was good. Um, isn't who isn't Tom Cruise Lestat? He's, yep, yeah. Tom Cruise is Lestat. Yeah. Um, and uh, no, I I think that um, like when it comes down to vampire interpretations, we have right ones and then we have yeah. wrong ones. <laughs> um, but I think that this one really, um, especially in like the book as well as um the movie remake. It, it really, like, it, I felt like it was truly authentic to what vampires were all about. Like, it, like it, they didn't sparkle. They burned alive when the sun hit them, <laughs> yes, which right. is what, which is canon. Right. Um, so, so I, I think uh, I, I got to appreciate that as far as, like, you know, remaining faithful to what vampires truly are as far as literature is concerned. Yeah, the, the next one on the list is Minion. It sort of says it sort of appeals to Buffy fans, and then True Blood. Did you did you ever watch True Blood? Is so good. The uh, that's the Snooky. Yeah. Yeah. This and it's from a it's from a series as well. Yeah. 
I got to, I think, season three or four before the guy becomes the god or whatever. And yeah. people were like, you don't don't watch anymore. <laughs> my, my, my thing with, with True Blood is, like, I like the show. I like the writing. But, like, same thing that, like, same problem I had with uh, Game of Thrones and Spartacus is, like, there's just so much sex all the time. Mm, like, it's like, yeah. okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, relax. Yeah. It's. So like uh, other than that though, I mean it's it's a good story. Like uh, as far as True Blood is concerned, I think that like as far as that show is concerned, you know, putting vampires into like modern day society, which is a a weirdly common theme, um, I think that was pretty darn successful. Yeah, I mean you're right to some degree. It's like how much gore and sex can we kind of get into this especially television series, mm-hmm. right? One might say too much. Right, and <laughs> expand the peop- the number of people who are going to watch so that they can watch people getting cut open and, mm-hmm. you know, getting down with one another. <laughs> for, and, and I think that, like, term. Um, as far as horror is concerned, we have to, like, draw a bridge between, like, okay, is it just gory just to be gory? Yeah. Or is there going to be some shit? Like, for instance, um, I really like The Ring. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I love that movie yeah. because it doesn't it doesn't like just be jarring like it was in Saw where like Saw it was just gross. Yeah. Um yeah, like it, it wasn't a scary yeah. flick to me. It yeah. was just gross. Um where it was like with The Ring, it was creepy. It's psychological. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think to some degree that's what a lot of these books are. It's it's funny. I was thinking on the way over here that I've been moved in in many ways by a lot of books, but I've never I, I mean I don't really get scared. No. There have been movies when I've been younger where it's been like, I don't want to really want to go in the basement right now yeah, kind of yeah. thing. But books haven't, like, they've scared me with regard to, like, ideas like 1984 that sort of frightens me that mm-hmm. people can be, you know, uh, lulled into a state where the government takes over so much. But, I mean, that's just sort of a, yeah, you know, a, a deep embedded fear of where we are as a, you know, country or nation oh, yeah. or world or whatever. 100%. And I mean like uh, we're going to be like talking about like what well, like there's there's definitely a few books out there that have definitely scared me and even to this day are still creepy which I'm, I'm sure we'll be getting to. Mm-hmm. But like like as far as books are concerned, I just like how certain characters, certain ideas are portrayed in the writing and the literature and how um, artsy they are about mm-hmm. um, forming the characters and forming the dialogue and forming the, the circumstances which lead to a you know a horror kind of atmosphere yeah um, which lead to um, really cool remakes or movies or adaptations um, that can truly like frighten you yeah <clears throat> the shining is on here oh, classic yeah you said that King didn't doesn't appreciate the nope Kubrick version of it yep the most popular version of the shining and it's it's kind of funny he he quoted um i this is not verbatim but he said something along the lines of like yeah it's just not it it, it doesn't represent the book in a in a clear manner yeah um which is really funny because it's like that's like the most popular version yeah <laughs> of of the of the shining yeah uh and then they also did another remake where stephen king directed it and oh it, really and it bombed yeah and it bombed well he talks about he talks about the shining in on writing and writing the shining and sort of being oblivious to the fact that his sort of demons with regard to um alcohol and drugs were subconsciously coming out he's like i didn't even i didn't even realize that you know i'm writing about a writer 
who's completely isolated <clears throat> and spending all his time drinking and writing nonsense. And I was writing me, you know. Um, well, an art, uh, I've seen very frequently that an artist's um, demons tend to come out in their work. Mm. Um, and this is the same with uh, Stephen King. Yeah, as he's, yeah, yeah. As it's been clearly noted, and as far as it's uh, his literature is concerned, it has been shown in that as well. Yeah. Yeah, Misery is another really that one's oh yeah is another really great example <laughs> of him creepy. writing yeah him writing himself into uh, his work. Uh, Sandman is on here now. Neither of us have both of us have have this on our list, and we've not read the Neil Gaiman graphic novels. I've heard it's really good. Yeah, like I, I I've never heard a bad thing about it, and it's funny because this has been brought up to me this very specific. Uh, book like several times over the ca- like past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I got to get around to reading it because mm-hmm. it's like if people are talking, you know, this much about it, it's got to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to yeah. hope, right? Yeah. The Handmaid's Tale I have read. Have you read it? I have not. I've not read it, but I've definitely heard about it. Yeah. My wife and I were watching the Hulu series, and it got to be too intense. For really? Her. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, and she just came out with a sequel not too long ago. Okay. And I think this book was written, <clears throat> I want to say, 80s, maybe. Um, it was a book that was very popular in college uh, in the 80s. So I'm assuming that's around the time that it was written. So the success of the show spawned the sequel decades after the original was written. There's some Harlan Ellison on here. Ray Bradbury, uh, The October Country, which is short stories. Um, Ray Bradbury, who? Yeah, he's, he's written something else. That, yeah, he's written Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, they're right. Yeah, the I Martian, was gonna say I was like, I've read that one. Yeah, Martian Chronicles. Uh, and then on here is The Exorcist, of course, which classic. Yeah. Uh yeah that move that movie scared me when I was younger. <laughs> I think it scared a lot of people. Yeah. And then they have some uh, young adult goose. The Goosebump series is on here as well, which is kind of fun. I read so many of those when I was a kid. Yeah. Like some of them, like some of them were a bit goofy. I'm not gonna lie. Like yeah. some of them weren't scary. I was yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. But um. Yeah. Some of them are really, uh, some are really terrifying. And then uh, the last of note that I had was Cor- Coraline. Um, that yeah. is a good. Movie. Yeah. I have never. I didn't even think it was a book. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it's by Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's Neil Gaiman. He won the. Uh, was it the Newberry? It's the kids. Paul book Newberry award for, yeah. for kids books. Yeah, yeah, I believe that's what. It is. And it might have won the Hugo. I want to think. I want to say really? too. But you have a specific pick that you wanted to talk about. And then I'm going to talk about a couple too. Sure. I I picked scary stories to tell in the dark mainly because one. Um, we have that remake that came out that's apparently really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not gotten around to watch it because uh, money's uh, tough to come by these days. <laughs> um, and I don't have a whole lot of money for movie tickets. But um, I remember reading this book. Oh, it's out now. Yeah, it's out now. Like, people are people are watching it. Uh, I, it might be. I don't know. Is it out on, like, can you buy it? Cause, oh, okay. It's still in the, well, oh. I, I think it's still at the budget right now. Because I was going to get really excited there for a second, and I was about to head off to Walmart as soon as we're done here, because uh, I need to buy me a movie. Right. But no, uh, uh, it's apparently really good, and apparently it interprets the the books really well. And I just, I remember reading this when I was, oh geez, middle school, maybe? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it, it, was a, it was an old book, 
but it was scary. Like it, like that. This was one of the only books that actually terrified me, mm-hmm. which uh, really uh, gets me hesitant when it comes to watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, because like if they did the movie really well, then that movie's got to be. Uh, but if they didn't, but if they didn't, um, <laughs> then we're yes. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah, no, it's it's just it's really interesting. Like, because scary stories to tell in the dark is exactly what it sounds like. It's a bunch of like short stories. Yeah, and this it's not even a big book. It's a small little book, but along with um some of the most creepy illustrations you could ever see. Yeah, accompanied with that, some of the stories come from like some of some of them are based on like ghost stories. Right. Like some of them have like supernatural uh, you know prevalences, or some are just mundane but also creepy. Like there's this one. Um, I believe, yeah, it's, I believe it's from the first book, the first scary stories to tell in the dark, where it's like this woman's driving along the road and this dude's following her uh-huh. and he's continuously putting on its, his brights and like freaking her out. Yeah. It's to the point where she's like, I got to call the cops. I got to like, so she like pulls over just as the dude behind her pulls over and she realizes that that guy has a gun. Mm-hmm. So obviously she calls the cops and the cops arrive. And, you know, questioning the the guy that was following her. And he was like, I'm not here for her. I'm here for the dude in her back seat. Whenever he tried to overpower her, mm. I shone the brights. And it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And, like, it's it's just, it's simple, but it's effective. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, that, that book really, like, it, it's, a, it's a must read for people who haven't seen it cause, or, or haven't read it because it's, a, it's, it's truly, it's truly a good, uh good piece of literature for sure yeah there is that is that the story called high beams yep yep that's what right <laughs> yep yeah 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 Freaky. um and there are three collections it looks like yep more stories to tell in the dark, uh stories to tell in the dark and then scary stories three more tales to chill your bones yep and like just look at some of these illustrations like they are like terrifying yeah yeah, yeah. i'm looking like, at the cover right now yeah l- like um, I got. What's the name of the artist? Because I want to bring attention to this guy. Um, Stephen Gamble. Stephen, yeah. And Brett Helquist. Looks like cover art by the both of them. Yeah. Like this is just terrifying. Yeah. And then I have a, I have a couple that I'm going to do too. The first is we interviewed a uh, a novelist whose first novel was uh, called The Luminous Dead. Caitlin Starling is her name. She was. An amazing uh, interview. The story is kind of science fiction, kind of horror. It's told from the point of view of someone who is a caver um, going down on another planet uh, on a caving expedition where it's just her, and then she kind of has a handler okay, um, who she speaks to remotely through her like headset in her spacesuit slash caving suit. And it's the story, uh, it becomes this psychological kind of horrific kind of retelling of a, of a ghost a ghost story um, and sort of a love story uh, as well. Um, she stumbles across these uh, bodies of people who she then realizes her handler has been sending people down and they've been not quite making it. Jesus. Um, and then by the end, it's like they start... A- appearing and you wonder is it their is it her imagination are they really still alive down there are, is this their ghosts that are appearing and stuff so it's a really great novel that's pulled off with two characters total 
you know, from start to finish. It's just those two, yeah. Um, and then I every year we kind of do one of these shows, and I've never mentioned um, the Witcher books, which ha- which are a small obsession uh, of mine. I've played the games and then read the books. I was and- gonna say I've I've heard about the games, and I heard the games were, again. I haven't played them because yeah. money. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I heard they're really, really good. Yeah. Um, and like people who've played like um the Elder Scrolls series really like The Witcher. Yeah. Um, and I've been meaning to play them, but apparently they're really good. I was surprised that it was a book. I didn't think it was a book. Yeah, it's a Polish writer, Andrew Sapkowski, I believe is his name, and th- his works were translated and then picked up by CD Projekt Red for very little money and there was actually kind of a dispute over this because the games the three witcher games made you know hundreds of millions of dollars in fact Geralt the main character of the the witcher um this the central figure of the stories is on a stamp now really yeah his image is on a stamp in Poland that's how big this kind of whole thing became but not the really the novel series until the video games became as popular yeah. um, as they were. And they're coming out with, um, they, they just started filming for Netflix, like a live-action Witcher I, series. I think they're done. I think it's coming Ooh. out December, I want to say. Henry Cavill's the Superman is the Witcher. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of funny. Okay. Yeah. okay. And, the, you know, the all the, the, the players of the game, you know, saw the first images of, him with the hairdo and they're like he's too pretty <laughs> to be you yeah. know Geralt's supposed to be more rugged than that kind of thing um but they are essentially what I love about them is the stories are uh they're monster hunting you know he's a monster hunter the witcher's a monster hunter who mm-hmm. kind of does it to for money um but he's kind of the rogue with the heart of gold you know so he's got this kind of code uh, but the stories themselves are, you know, Polish, uh, grim fairy tales. And, you know, you realize in many of the instances that, you know, the townspeople are, you know, it's kind of an old trope now, but the townspeople are more monstrous than the monsters themselves who have mm-hmm. been cursed and become these kind of people. And some of them are tales of, you know, mor- morality tales. Yeah. Like, you know, here's a girl who did whatever to her parents and has become, you know, the kind of. Uh, cursed haggish figure that mm-hmm. she is, you know, stalking the night and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm super excited about the Netflix series. I've read the gra- a couple of the graphic novels, um, which are, I think they're done by Dark Dark Horse, is it? And I don't know. That'd be awesome if it was done by Dark Horse. Yeah, they, I believe that they are. I've read two of them and <laughs> love those as well. Uh, and then finally, right now I'm teaching. I didn't really even think of this when we started to formulate the ideas for the show. I'm teaching Beloved. Okay. Um, which is Toni Morrison, who just passed away. The la- She's the last American novelist uh, to receive the Nobel Prize for Literature. You know, we, Bob Dylan won it, but, uh, you know, he's a songwriter. Gotcha. And Beloved is the tale of, it's a it's a beautifully told story. But it's the tale of a woman, and it's based on a, a real incident. Toni Morrison was looking through old newspaper clippings and found a story of a woman who, rather than let them take her children, she killed them. And so this is a... Solid a, parenting right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so 
this is the story of one of those children who she named Beloved, who was a baby at the time. And, um, you know, she killed her 19 years ago, and Beloved comes back. Oh. Uh, so it's sort of a ghost story, but also sort of a slave narrative and also sort of a historical text. It's all of those things. Um, and I don't, I guess it's not really, I wouldn't call it straight horror, um, but there's certainly moments th- throughout the text that are horrible and um, psychologically uh, terrifying. You yeah. Know, the kinds of things that the, the characters themselves sort of went through. Yeah, and like I think that's what we were talking about before when it comes down to psychological horror. I think that's what, in my personal humble opinion, mm-hmm. I think is one of the most successful, yeah, um, like tropes of horror because like it it allows for you. It's not just like ah uh, jump scare. It's, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're feeling goosebumps trickle up your spine yeah. as you're you're going ah uh, please don't go in that house. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So and and I think that's like really integral to a really successful horror story. Yeah, so. and well and I'll also say that at least in this novel, you know, part of it is you think to yourself how can how can human beings do these things to other yeah. human beings? Yeah. And and you know the center of the book the sort of infanticide that takes place mm-hmm. is done out of love there's this weird kind of you know she wants to protect them and put them in a place where nobody can ever get them and do what has happened to her to them by killing them so, yeah so it's <laughs> this mothering instinct where she's like i took them away from everyone and put them somewhere where they couldn't mm-hmm. or well it's just the it's just beloved that's that's killed before they you know yeah before they take her but i mean super powerful in a sort of way that is, you're right, you know, far different than a jump scare. Those are great, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, um, not as lasting, certainly. Yeah. It doesn't like, make us think the way horror should, I think. Yeah, and it's like, with with horror, it's, um, one, is subverting our expectations to a point that makes, one, sense, but two, leaves us hanging a bit. Yeah. Like, just a bit to be like, oh, yeah. shoot, they're yeah. actually going to do that, aren't they? Yeah. Like, um, there was, um, again, I'm more um, focused as far as, like, uh, when it comes to um, artistic ways of telling a story. It's a lot of um, film. Yeah. So when it comes to horror yeah. um, and, like, kind of subverting expectations, I look at The Witch. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that one is... Oh boy! Yeah, know yeah, that one. Yeah. That was, it's creepy because it's like, okay, so is there a witch? Yeah, is there like, and it leaves you hanging until the very, very end, which um, I think is effective in any story you're yeah. telling. Yeah, like don't like, it, like for instance, um, I'll, one very unsuccessful one I would imagine is Devil, mm-hmm. which is about these people getting stuck in an elevator and the devil is uh, picking them off one by one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which kind of leaves out the mystery of yeah, it, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, So if it was, like, f- perhaps about, like, someone in the elevator killing everybody and you have to guess who it is, yeah. that would be m- much more successful. But once you actually, like, when you paint the when picture you, yes. already, when yeah. you know who it is, yeah. it's like, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, a little bit of the unknown yeah. um, as well. 
Yeah, and so next week we'll be talking about um, graphic novels and adding in the sort of visual um, component of it. We're doing, uh, what are we doing? We're doing Anthony Bourdain's book, Mm -hmm. At the Mountains of Madness. And I Am Legend, which is on the the list of uh, the NPR list we brought up um, earlier. We'll be joined by Daniel Morbach um, once again. And we're out of show. The pub is produced at the University of Wisconsin Parkside from the studios at WIPZ 101.5 FM. You can tune in on Sundays at 2 to catch new episodes, and you can also find us on Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or you can head over to our website at straliatmag.com for fiction, poetry, art, and, of course, podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for regular updates and new content. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Pub, Straylight Magazine's podcast about all things books and publishing. Mm